Welcome to our seventh episode of Ready to Launch, a joint series between the Wilson Center's Riada podcast and the Straight Up Startup with my co-host Rajai Sahuri from Amman, Jordan. I'm your co-host Marissa Khurma, Director of the Middle East Program here at the Wilson Center. So we will be focusing this month on key players in the Jordanian as well as the regional entrepreneurial ecosystems to better understand their features, what they offer, what is lacking, and how they can be further fortified to help startups and businesses not just launch, but also scale and access markets in MENA and beyond. And we couldn't have had a better fit for today's discussion than Marwan Jumaa a pioneer in Jordan's ICT sector, a serial entrepreneur, former minister of technology, and advisor to Jordan's King Abdullah's various economic councils. In 2009, he founded Kins, um, a data mining firm in Jordan. Um, there's a lot more that I can say to introduce Marwan, but needless to say, you are one of the um, early adopters and pillars of the entrepreneurial ecosystem. So Marwan, thank you so much for joining us. Mirsa, thank you very much for the kind intro as well, and you're raising expectations here, but uh, I'm glad to be with you, and congratulations on your podcast. Thank you. So I think I'm going to ask you um, the most basic question, sometimes the hardest to answer, which is, um, why did you take that first step to give it a shot uh, in 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 the ICT sector, I mean, you were one of the earliest adopters, um, bringing chat rooms to so many Jordanians back yeah. in the nineties. Uh, what was your drive, and tell us your entrepreneurial journey? Well, in all honesty, it was by chance. Like many things happen, I didn't have it planned. I didn't have this vision when I was seventeen or sixteen. You know, sometimes you don't know what you want till you're in your thirties. But it was by chance when I finished. Uh, graduate school in North Carolina, NC State in 1990, came back to Jordan. A friend of mine, Kareem Kawar, was the Apple leader in Jordan, and he wanted help on the admin side. I wasn't a technical expert by, graduate, by, by, by degree, I was a business graduate. So I came in to help Kareem on the admin, on the management side, worked with him for four years, and then along with him and uh, a couple of other uh, gentlemen, uh, they had founded Jordan's first email company back in 1993. I joined that firm as, the, as a partner and CEO, and we went on to build what was Facebook before Facebook in Jordan back in 95. Yeah, had, I remember we that. Had, we had the famous online discussion forums and bulletin boards, and, and the mystique of, of Nets back then, it was called Nets, mm-hmm. was you didn't allow aliases. You had to have your first name, last name. You had that community feed, which is a lot of what Facebook is today. And it was the discussion level was credible because it was self-censoring. The fact that your name appeared online, you respected that to the mm-hmm. point that we managed to engage the government and have the government online debating and discussing critical issues with Jordanians. And it wasn't only your typical government employees. You had ministers online yeah. debating with Jordanians, changing laws and changing regulations by listening to Jordanians. So we had that. This, this was back in 95, 96 in Jordan. So we were pioneers. We built, we built this, this service when there was practically... No infrastructure in Jordan. No technical infrastructure whatsoever. Right. Call us crazy. Call us crazy, but that's what it takes. So I've been I've been uh, building stuff. Some that worked, many that didn't. <laughs> since then, and it's been a great journey the past nearly two years. Even when we established Jordan's Reach Initiative back in two thousand to build Jordan's IT industry, 
when His Majesty assumed the throne. Uh, many thought we were lunatics. I mean, there was the infrastructure in Jordan was was abysmal. We had when it came to uh, to the fixed and mobile uh, infrastructure. Mm-hmm. The IT sector was non-existent, but we had the attention of the head of state. We had his attention, and we thought this comes once in a lifetime, so we might as well take full advantage of it. And we went on to as private sector to own the process and own the plan and own the initiative and develop, which was the first blueprint in the Middle East where young IT you know, initiative takers came up with a full plan on how to build an IT industry. And mm-hmm. unlike other plans that collect, end up collecting dust and look good, this was a work plan with, with clear, clear targets and milestones, clear deliverables on us as private sector and on the government. And I think that's why His Majesty took, you know, was interested in what we were presenting. First, it was, it was his vision to build an industry that doesn't depend on a crazy region. His thoughts was, how can we create an industry that eventually we can export beyond regional boundaries? Because whatever yeah. we do, either depends on Jordan, which is small, or depends on a region which is always in, in up and terminal. So in IT, his, 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 his vision was, maybe you can eventually develop applications and products that, that can reach beyond these boundaries. And that was the vision back in 2000. Today, we've come such a long way as, 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 as an industry with Jordanians excelling yeah. Jordan, the region, and way beyond. So that's been a great story of the past, uh, let me see, 1990 till now, 32 years. <laughs> 32 years, yeah. And, and I should I mean, be saying that. <laughs> it's, uh, no, you should absolutely be saying this because it is yeah. really a source of pride yeah. um, to be part of something. I mean, you pretty much, you know, amongst others, amongst Karim Kawad and others, built this ecosystem and and you know you mentioned the role of the private sector you mentioned the role of the government and of course the support from uh king abdullah the yes. second um and that gets me to sort of my next question which is is that what it takes to build a successful ecosystem and where are we today what what does the ecosystem look look like yeah. today in jordan I'll, I'll tell you what it takes it's that magic formula we have in jordan uh first of all you need a What's happened in the year 2000, when we built this the REACH initiative, all of us in the sector took off our personal interest hats and put on the national interest hat. We said, if, if the sector develops, if the country moves forward, eventually our businesses will benefit. So we came together as an industry. And that's what, what, what's special about this group is we are reunited as an industry, the different stakeholders. The second thing is we took initiative in terms of what needs to be done. And we got the attention of his majesty and he took it very seriously. And he made sure that the government committed to what we, what we wanted because it event, eventually it was about job creation. It was about exports. It was about investments, which is what Jordan needs. And uh, so we got the attention of his majesty and we got the government to deliver. And again, that's, that has been the magic formula. I think the fact that we are united, we don't have animosities, we don't have issues. Uh, we, care, we care deeply for the country. And we know this can yield results. And the fact that we've had traction in results, uh, you know, the, the sector is taken seriously. Absolutely. And I mean, look at where the sector is today, not only in Jordan, but in our lives and how it's integrated into everything that we do in the workforce, uh, particularly yes. with, with you know, COVID-19 and how um, this will probably forever change the way we work. Um Having said that, so with this podcast, um, Madwan, we've been interviewing um, young entrepreneurs from Jordan and um, a few from the region, and there are still challenges that they face. And you know, th- there are there are still 
references to regulations or legislation that needs to be changed, reformed. Um, we're not really where we want to be, is what I heard from many of them in Jordan in terms of the ease of doing business, starting your own business. So how can you, as a key member of the ecosystem, who's seen it go through so many different phases, um, the ups and downs, which is, you know, very, you know, no, no startup journey um, uh, is, is linear. So how can, how can you be part of the solution and who else needs to do their part in order for the ecosystem to sort of reach its potential, reach that next phase and continue to grow and support these very, budding uh, entrepreneurs? Yeah, very good point. First of all, there's no growth that's linear. You know, you always have ups and downs. We have been growing as a country, but we've had our phases when things go well and things go down and things go up again because of local issues, regional issues, whatever, whatever, whatever it is. Sure. But the good thing, first of all, uh, we we know what the problems are. They have been clearly identified, whether it's at the, at the administrations phase, at, at an operational phase, at an exit stage, or the good exit or bad exit. Uh, today, we are working very closely with the government on addressing these on these issues. Because we tell the government that in the IT sector, you can easily move. There's no investments. There's no capex. All it takes, it's in a person, an idea. And if I can get, my, if I can get up and running in Jordan, I can easily move in the region where, you, where people are getting lots of incentives to move. We see the huge competition between now UAE and Saudi and Qatar and Watabi to attract talent there. So people can easily move, especially yeah. when Jordanian entrepreneurs don't look at Jordan as their market. They look at Jordan maybe, maybe to test products. And many entrepreneurs immediately jump to other markets because of size and scale. So sure. if we, tell, we tell the government, if you want to retain intellectual capital in Jordan, where development remains here, where the kitchen remains in Jordan, I must be able to easily set shop in Jordan, operate in a predictable environment. So don't tell me, for example, that the tax uh, rate is 5%. And when you apply it, it ends up being 20%. Be transparent and be open with me. 5%, 5%. It's 50%, 50%. I'll decide to operate or not. But don't change it every other day and apply it fairly. And if I need to exit, if it's a good exit, is there, is there a mature market? Are there IPOs? Can I, are there actual sales happening in this market? Or if it's a bad exit, I go into insolvency. Can I get protected and move to my next investment? Yeah. That's what we're focusing on. But what does an entrepreneur look for, Marissa? They look, at the, they look for a market. First thing you decide, is there a market in this country? In the IT sector, very few look at Jordan as a market. They look at Jordan as a starting point. You mm-hmm. try to get out, and then you, and by default, you go to other, to other, to other markets. Now, people which, are is saying, f- which is fine, too. Which is, the, which is the nature of the beast, and that's what right. that's, that's supposed to be. The challenge is, if I establish a business in Jordan, and I'm hiring talent in Jordan, and developers in Jordan, designers in Jordan, I want to retain them in Jordan. My sales and marketing should happen elsewhere. I will open shop in Saudi Arabia. I will move this uh, to UAE. But I want to retain talent in Jordan where a lot of the back office work happens, where a lot of right. the IP remains. Because mm-hmm. if you start pulling this outside Jordan and you start all of a sudden hiring you know, talent where it's easier, where it's more cost-effective, where it's more predictable in other countries, next thing you know, you would have nothing here. So, and we're telling, we're telling the country, the, the government, competition is not against the region with all due respect. In the IT sector, competition is against the best. It's against India, it's against Ireland, it's against Eastern Europe, it's even against the US. 
So the quality of manpower, the quality of one another, another big problem in Jordan is, let's be honest, the quality of manpower. You can find decent entry-level people. But yeah. when you look for senior management, when you look for senior advanced technical technical expertise, the companies and entrepreneurs came back and told us there is a lot, there, is a, there are issues there. Right. Now, the good thing that now we have an institutional framework in working with the government. Uh, the, the government recently created a council, entrepreneurship council, where we're supposed to address all these issues in, in, in conjunction with the government. And this council is 70% private sector represented now that hopefully we will have work on this plan and ensure these issues are addressed. And we are the ones raising the stakes because we tell the government in this sector, again, people can easily move and we want to retain them here. Now, the people keep saying, why, for example, Maktoub happened outside Jordan? Why Souk happened? I, unfortunately, uh, nowadays, people, uh, when, they, uh, when they want to invest in companies, they'd rather see them listed in either offshore or outside Jordan because they're concerned about stability of the regulatory regime, which is something we need to work hard at. Investors have choice. And if they're concerned that the regulatory regime is not stable, that laws are not always fairly applied, that they change too frequently, they would mm-hmm. rather you list in a predictable environment. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's, sure. what, we, that's what we need to, to really work hard at. And again, there are gaps. The good thing is we identified them. Now it's an issue of addressing them. And hopefully, uh, and hopefully we will stay the course. I mean, we've been doing it for so long. We've done so well, but I think there are challenges because other countries are also moving. We're not the only ones investing in IT. We're not the only ones who believe IT is an enabler for a country. Everyone thinks the Gulf is thinking this way. The Lebanese are thinking this way. The Egyptians are doing the same. So we have to ensure we really you know, maintain our position, if not improve it. And in terms of the skills gap that you talked about, um, I know that you have you know, various entities that are trying to work with the private sector, but also with educational institutions to make sure that yeah. basically you have, you know, young graduates, but also young professionals with the needed skills. So what else can the private sector do in this with regards to the skills gap? When you talk to the government, they point fingers and they say, well, yeah, the private yeah. sector has to do more. And then when you talk to the private sector, they're like, well, really, this is not our job. Yeah, how, I mean, this, how do you address that? This continuous discussion that happens everywhere in the world, in every sector, the gap between academia and industry, right. especially, in our, especially in Jordan, our sector has gotten really old. I mean, and this constant blame game, no support of academia, no support of industry. As, uh, I mean, what, what people are doing is saying, instead of trying to change curriculums and trying to change academia, which is an uphill struggle, people are creating you know, these one-year, two-year boot camps where you, know, you take either fresh graduates from high school People don't want, who don't want to go to universities and you enroll and you get them certified in a certain in a coding language, in a certain uh, in a certain field where they become experts in it and immediately and you work on their soft skills and their English intensively and then you roll them out to the market. If I'm going to wait for uh, academia, academia to ramp up, that's going to take us probably another decade. Sure. What I'm trying, what we've been trying to push is we need to we need to properly classify universities in Jordan. And that should mm-hmm. be based on, their, on, on the employability of their graduates. And you can easily do that. You can easily track, in, for example, I sit on the board of the PSUT, British University. And, right. and 97% of our graduates within three months find work. This, this same, this measure, this needs to apply to all universities. So I, as a, gra- so I, as a high school graduate, I, would know where, I, I should know where to go 
what to enroll in because that's where employment, that's where employment is, is happening. So this, uh, we need to look at universities, properly classify them the way we do in the West, and then focus on these bridge programs, uh, try to scale them and grow them, because and stop you know this blame game, it's academia sport, no, it's industry sport, because that's, that, that's never ending, by the way. And hopefully, hopefully with time, we will see, you, you will weed you out these schools that basically are graduating unemployable Jordanians. Hopefully with time, you know, they will, you will see them, uh, you know, we will have them out of the picture. I mean, you you see and hear and meet Jordanians across the region and in other parts of Europe and in the United States. And um, in the U.S., for example, the, the diaspora is very successful. Um, they are mostly considered highly skilled workers. And so it is possible. Um, but that gets me to the role of the diaspora. I know that you have also been at the forefront of trying to engage more diaspora members to come back and give back, quote unquote. And that does not mean just invest, but also give back in expertise, knowledge transfers, etc. How is that going? I mean, I don't think it's going well enough. I think we can do, I think we can do a lot more. Uh, what has built a lot of it, for example, the Indian IT industry, was when a lot of the, Indian, the Indians brought back business to India. And they would, tell, they would tell their employers, they would tell their bosses, this can be done better in India. This can be done at a more cost-effective rate in India. We haven't done enough of that. I think we need, to, we, need to, we need to work on that. We haven't leveraged that enough. There are a lot of great Jordanians outside Jordan. But the nice thing we're seeing, though, Marissa, we're seeing a lot of the big players. We're seeing the Expedias, the Microsofts, the Oracles, really setting shop in Jordan and expanding their operation in terms of you know, high-level technical support happening out of Jordan and hiring hundreds of Jordanians and paying them quite well. That's what we're seeing. So the, the hub mentality, the, the BPO, a notion that Jordan can be a BPO for many of these, of these businesses. Mm-hmm. And then the potential creation of IP out of Jordan is what Jordan needs to focus on. Have we done enough? I think, I think in the coming phase, that's one thing we have to, we have to work harder at now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you, you also see them going to other parts um, of the region, but we go back to the incentive packages that they are offered. And are the Jordanians, whether it's the private sector or the government, are they providing a conducive environment in order for them to come in and, and set up shop? Uh, like we've seen uh-huh. the Amazons and Expedias, but what, what else can they do? There, w- there was a study by Ricardo Hausman um, on Jordan that recommended, for example, allowing more high-skilled labor to come in so that you have more knowledge transfers. Is that happening? Marissa, we tell the government in discussions with them, with the gig economy, and especially after the past two years and how people work and operate, this notion that I need to get permits or you know, uh, permissions to bring people to Jordan, that's gone. Nowadays, I can yeah. hire people from anywhere. And they can get the job done based on a gig and complete it and move on. So sure. this, notion, I, this notion, I need to bring someone physically to Jordan. I need to bring someone. That's, that's, that's the old economy. Now, so the challenge is, the opportunity is I can bring anyone from anywhere nowadays. They, they can complete the task from anywhere. This also creates for Jordanians opportunities that they can also operate out of Jordan for, for the local firms or for anyone. But that means so is the competition. I as, yeah. an employer, I, as an employer, if I have to develop an application, this has happened in my companies. My, my teams 
They look at local talent, but now they also look at talent elsewhere. Sure. We've worked with Indians, we work with Egyptians, we work with Lebanese, and we work with Jordanians. And we do it remotely. So this notion, I need to get permits, and this is, this is you know, five, six years ago. There has been a paradigm shift with Corona the past few years. Mm-hmm. People are working from home and, 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 and showed, it showed its effectiveness. And with the gig economy, you know, picking up and with internet connections becoming stable and secure globally, this notion that I have to be physically present in a country, that's changing. That's the, that's, so we tell the government, you're worrying about me getting permits. I don't need your permission. I don't need those permits. I'm already hiring people globally without, without you saying I can or can't do that. Right. So gov- governments have to catch up and realize now the focus has to be on how can we improve the quality of Jordanian manpower so mm-hmm. they can get jobs in Jordan, from Jordan, anywhere. That's where the attention should be, especially in our sector, IT or BPO or the service industry. Yeah, ab- no, absolutely. And that's, um, as we discussed earlier, one of the silver linings of the pandemic, how it oh, yeah. sort of yeah. completely elevated the role of uh, basically the, the gig economy and how easy it is to do work. Yes. I've, I've, my firms and two firms that I'm, that I'm involved in, the teams are doing so. They're hiring, uh, they're, for example, in one firm, we have a big group of uh, Egyptian programs, excellent quality. And the reality is what has happened with Egyptian devaluation. Uh, they're very cost effective. They're very competitive as well. Eventually, with time, this would rebalance. But in the meantime, I mean, it's, uh, the value for money is very high. So that's a challenge nowadays. So we have to focus on quality. And that's why the quality of, gradu- of, of, gra- of our graduates becomes very, very important. Uh, so because competition, again, competition and the opportunity, they're both global now. Absolutely. Um, more of a reason why this conversation between all the different stakeholders, particularly with educational institutions, has to be prioritized. It's continuous. It's continuous. Absolutely. But the fact that you have good models or good examples in Princess Samaya University for technology, for example, I, others, I mean, there are five, six schools I can name that are doing fantastic work in IT. Yeah. Uh, uh, PS, there's uh, even Jordan University, you have Hashmiya, you have Jordan, uh, German Jordan University. You have uh, tech, techno. There are six, seven schools I can name for their graduates are employable right away. I happen to mention PSUT because I'm involved in it, but there are other good, really, really good schools. The issue we need more scale. I mean, yeah. uh, we, need, we need thousands of graduates. Those are that's the need. And uh, people, uh, people worry: uh, will there be enough jobs? All of us are looking for quality jobs, for quality uh, employees. We're not looking for anyone. So that's sure. why we, that's why we look. At Jordanians, we also look elsewhere. Absolutely. Well, that continues to be a challenge for Jordan, particularly given the um, high un- unemployment rate amongst youth. Um, exactly. Uh, exactly. But it is a conversation that uh, you know we're having here in the U.S. as well. Um, constantly, how do you scale skilling and upskilling or reskilling? It's a constant yeah. conversation, as you said. So. Uh, I think um, we, we want to wrap this up with what we always do in our episodes, which is the before you launch words of wisdom. Um, you have a, a fountain of experience in the Jordanian ecosystem, given everything that you've done and everything that you have given the ecosystem. So um, I'm going to leave it to you to leave us with one or two thoughts about how to start your business, perhaps addressed to 
the young ones, the youth who are, who have ideas and may hesitate to take the first step? What would you tell today's youth? I mean, if, again, uh, I want to be uh, a bit blunt here. And this no, um, definition of an entrepreneur varies. There's no one definition of an entrepreneur. Uh, but the, one, the common denominators are people who uh, look at things differently. They see a problem and try to address it. And so they have ways of solving that problem. They think very creatively. They are very innovative. And they take risks that are calculated. So, and it's, 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 in, it's in someone's DNA. Not everyone is supposed to be an entrepreneur, which is not a bad thing. Uh, you, we need entrepreneurs, but we also need managers, we need employees, we need civil servants, we need all kinds of people. So it's not for anyone being an entrepreneur. And this notion that a fresh graduate uh, overnight can lead people and manage multiple resources and, and be an inspiration for others, yes, that may happen once, you know, one out of a thousand. But in reality, is I tell very often fresh graduates, Initially, if, if you can find a job where, where, you, where you work with someone or for someone who can really inspire you, teach you, and guide you, that's, that, that, that's be great. Gain experience, make mistakes, learn from them. Because, because the average, I mean, in Jordan, the average age of successful entrepreneurs nowadays, I can tell you at Oasis 500, our accelerator, the average age is 38. And that's the average age even in the Western world. People who have tried more than once, failed, and then succeeded. It's actually lower uh, in Jordan. In, in the U.S., it's 45. Yeah, in Jordan, it's lower, exactly. But yeah. So, this, so uh, don't be afraid of failure. Learn from failure. Be very persistent. This is not an easy, this is not an easy neighborhood. And, and stick to your guns. But at the end of the day, uh, we're trying not only to, to say learn from failure and, and it's what it sounds good. Failure sucks, by the way. If you can avoid failure, by all means, do so. There's nothing glamorous about it. But we're trying to work with the government is to create, to have the laws enabling environment that if you fail, you can move on to your next venture and have the protection of insolvency laws and uh, laws that allow you to move to the next venture and not to be labeled as someone who has basically committed the crime. So we're trying to we're working with the government on the enabling environment, on the laws, but also the culture. And I've seen a huge shift. I can tell you when we started the Oasis back in 2009, anyone who came to our incubator, their parents would tell them, Why would you leave a stable job? Why are you taking this risk? What happens if you fail? Of course. Now we're seeing, now we're seeing parents telling, you know, or friends telling their friends, why haven't you tried this venture? Why haven't you moved? Look at your friend who succeeded or who has went through this accelerator, who's been able to raise funds, who's grown. So we're seeing a change and shift in culture, which is what we need. A country like Jordan that only has manpower and only has human talent. Uh, entrepreneurship and supporting entrepreneurship is one of the tracks we need to focus on. Again, but again, to be clear, it's not for anyone. I've tried everything. I've tried being an employee, to a manager, to a CEO, to a government official, to an entrepreneur. The best one by far is the last one. There's nothing more, more, more gratifying than when you get things done as an entrepreneur when it succeeds, it's a great feeling. That's not to say being in government wasn't great. I really enjoyed being in government, especially when you can move the needle And, and impact people's lives. It's very gratifying as well. By yeah. being an entrepreneur and building something and seeing succeed and work, that's, just, that's the best feeling too. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Marwan. I um, appreciate your honesty um, and thank you for being blunt. That's exactly <laughs> what um, our podcast is all about. We, we want to inspire, but we also want to have Absolutely. An open discussion about all these issues. Uh, once again, thank you for your time, for your insight. 
and for everything that you have uh, done um, you, for, Jordan, for Jordan's ecosystem. Thank you. It's a real pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks. This podcast is funded by a grant from the United States Department of State. The opinions, findings, and conclusions of this podcast are those of our guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the U.S. Department of State.